welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. I'm your host, Patty Stuckler. We're keeping it real here with straight talk and sharing true stories that will inspire you to change your life. Are you ready for this? Because here we go. excited to talk with my guest today. She is an underwater filmmaker. Her name is Catherine Castle Garcia, and she is just amazing. She uh, is a, an accomplished writer, and she's also a publisher. Her husband, Guy, works with her uh, with the underwater filmmaking, but he's also, Guy is an amazing photographer, and he's also a super yacht captain, so he navigates all those luxury yachts around. So I don't know how they have time to do all the amazing things that they do, <laughs> but they have now published a beautiful book. Uh, you really got to check it out. It's called Ocean Metaphor, Unexpected Life Lessons from the Sea. It really is incredible. So welcome, Catherine. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, you really, uh, you and Guy, your husband, do such an amazing uh, work, such exciting work. And the, the title of your book, The Unexpected Life Lessons, I'm curious, kind of what's the, you know, if you had to boil it down to like one amazing lesson that you learned from the sea and working among the marine life, what would that be? Wow, that's a big question. Um, first of all, for your viewing audience, Here's the book. Um, <laughs> there's this ocean metaphor, unexpected life lessons from the sea. And um, in terms of just one lesson, there isn't one overarching lesson. Um, every time we get into the ocean, even if we're going in expecting to shoot a particular sequence or meet a particular marine animal, we learn something new every single time. Uh, both Guy and I have been doing this for many decades now. Uh, we've each been certified for in excess of 30 years as certified scuba divers. And we actually spend most of our time in, on, or under the water um, exploring and filming. And I think probably the most important lesson for us is that everything that's happening in the underwater realm, even if we're not supposed to be there exploring, like you know, we don't naturally live in the sea, we can't breathe water, we have to make all these adaptations. But even if we're not meant to be there necessarily, when we find ourselves in the underwater world, it's very relatable to everything that's happening here in our daily life on land. We learn something from these animals, even if it's um, something like as big as a whale or as small as a sea slug, they each have something about our own way of being to teach us. And they're all relatable. So I think that's a big lesson for us. It, it really is. Well, it's, it's, um, it's such a mysterious world that, 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 you know, from a lay person standard, it's like when I think about um, scuba diving, I, I've never scuba been scuba diving. I've done the, um, uh, what do you call it? You know, when you're just snorkeling. snorkeling. Yes, yeah. thank you. <laughs> I've, I've snorkeled, and that was really cool. But I would be personally really afraid to go so deep underwater and trust that, you know, you, you have that oxygen tank and, uh, you know, you, that nothing would happen. Right. Well, a lot of people have that concern initially. But, in fact, scuba diving is actually easier than snorkeling because the equipment does a lot of the work for you. 
you have a life jacket on the entire time and you're not breathing oxygen so much as you're just breathing clean compressed air so it's the same air just like you've been breathing ever since you took your first breath but this is even easier because you have a regulator that delivers exactly what you need all the time if you breathe or if you breathe you get that you get exactly what you want and then you get the lovely sound of bubbles as you exhale you get this little tickling <laughs> sound of your exhaled breath which i think is kind of cool um i never tire of just breathing underwater even if there's not a whole lot going on just breathing in and out and really feeling my breath and concentrating on my breath is a lot of fun and then the coolest thing happens you're weightless so when you breathe in a little bit, you rise up and then you exhale, you follow that. So you have this sweet, dreamy little, like kind of like a bounce along thing. Like if you were a bouncy ball underwater, you just kind of glide around and you don't have to swim the way you do with snorkeling. Like when you're snorkeling, you gotta be looking out on the surface. You're kind of between worlds. You're not quite on land and you're not quite underwater. You're in that thin line place between worlds. Whereas when you're submerged, you're fully immersed in the mm. underworld. And you can be three feet underwater and be completely immersed. You don't have to go deep in order to see the good stuff. So that's especially what I want your viewers to know is that it's so easy. And there's a special kind of peace that you can gain by submerging and then immersing. So, do I you, can't wait to take you scuba diving. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would love to go. And in fact, do you, uh, this may sound like a silly question, but do you have like a, an emergency second tank? I mean, do you, I, I just, I guess because in my mind, it's just like you, you would have to trust so much to, uh, to, to, to be free we to let go. We have a lot of backups and a lot of safety devices. Um, first of all, with our training, we're trained to be aware of what's happening underwater. We're trained to breathe easily and to relax ourselves um, and not get ourselves stressed out. We're also trained to watch our gauges very carefully. We have pretty sophisticated computers that we actually carry with us underwater that monitor our depth, our air consumption, and how long we should be staying down. So there's a lot of safety measures in place. And then Guy and I always dive together. We always have each other's backs. And if there's anyone else that's on our film team, uh, let's say we're doing something like commercial work for BBC or one of those organizations, there are always safety divers who have our backs after we have each other's backs. And they would have extra supplies of air and that sort of thing. But I can tell you, I've done, we've each done probably in excess of 10,000 dives each. And we've never really gotten ourselves into what we would call a, a life-threatening situation, mostly because we use common sense and we make certain to stay safe. And if something's not going well, we end the dive um, for whatever reason. If there's a problem, dive is over. And even if you don't feel well on a day, the rule is there's never a wrong reason to cancel a dive. Anybody can cancel a dive at any time without any egos coming into play. So that's important. You know, that's I never thought about this before, but does weather affect a dive? Like if uh, the weather is stormy outside, is it stormy underneath when you uh, go under? That depends. Um, now, we, we don't chance the weather. Like if we know that the weather is going to shift, like there's a chance of a thunder squall coming in, um, that might keep us out of the water. 
But let's say we're underwater and there's just a little bit of a rain shower passing over. It's actually really pretty because um, you can see the water, the raindrops hitting the surface. And if you're in shallow water, you can look up and see that. And it just adds another element of beauty to the scene. But in terms of knowing the weather, we plan our dives around having favorable weather conditions. And if things aren't right for us, we, we just end up reading books or playing games or doing some writing instead of actually getting in the water. We go to plan B or C. <laughs> well, what was the, what was the first, uh, do you remember kind of the most uh, amazing dive you ever had or like the first dive and, you know, what was that like? You know, there's a saying in our industry that uh, the best dive is the one you just surfaced from, because um, every dive is a good dive on in one way or another. But I have, I do have some favorite encounters, um, and some of those are with big animals. Um, when you're face to face with a baby humpback whale, and it's looking at you, wondering what you are <laughs> and if you want to play. Um, there's no way you can't feel truly alive in that moment um, and just absolutely blessed to be in that environment. And then to look over and see that that whale's mom is studying you very carefully and making certain that her baby is safe. Um, and that female, the mom, she could come over and just swat you and you'd be out of the picture. But um, just the fact that she would let her baby come close to us and look at us and wonder about us the same way we were wondering about the, the baby and the mom, that was really cool. And on another occasion, I had a lemon shark. I was filming tiger sharks with Guy in the Bahamas. And the tiger sharks are really big and dramatic and really beautiful. And then I had this lemon shark that's a cool shark in its own right, but it wasn't the star of the show that day. But it kept coming around and lying on the bottom of the ocean right next to me so that I would scratch it. And <laughs> I'm, I'm leaning over and I'll scratch the shark for a little bit. And I'm like, you're cool. You're a great shark. You're a lovely shark. But I really need to go back to filming this bigger shark that's kind of cooler than you are. But this particular lemon shark just kept coming back and back and back. And it ended up sitting on the backs of my legs. It actually came to rest like on my, the calves of my legs as I'm kneeling on the bottom of the ocean. And I would just, it just rested there. So I just reach back and scratch it every now and then. And then it would go on and it would circle back around again. So those sorts of experiences, you just, unless or until you experience it for yourself, you just won't know how cool that is to have a shark come up and you know, hey, I got an itch. You want to give me a scratch? So. <laughs> well, it, yeah, no, that actually sounds really fascinating. It sounds like um, the marine life really uh, likes to connect with you and likes to connect with people and uh, can be playful and sounds like, you know, just uh, there must be really interest, really great energy uh, from... Well, and we see yeah. them going about their daily lives. When we're submerged and fully immersed in the marine environment, we watch them and we see them in displays of courtship and in mating activities and predation or trying not to become prey. Um, and there is like, there's a curiosity and they'll, if you just get quiet and still, 
they'll come up and check us out and wonder what we are and what we're doing. So there's a lot going on under there that um, when we just concentrate on it, we can we can learn a lot about what's going on under there. So that always fascinates me. That so um, when you so the the uh, mating rituals uh, under the sea that's kind of an interesting topic as far yeah. as you know just like so is it I mean you know that's are they are do most of the marine uh, life do they like some birds that mate for life do they is it any are there any marine life uh, man you know uh, creatures that do that. Uh, yeah, actually, there are a lot of animals that pair up and that do uh, not only mate, but also nest together and protect their offspring for a time. And then there's other animals, uh, like in the book, you'll find a story of the, the goby and the, the blind shrimp. These are two different animals. One's a fish, one's a shrimp. And in the book, we uh, give them the characteristic of devotion because they share a burrow. They live together in a burrow and the shrimp is almost blind. So when you're a shrimp and you're almost blind, that's kind of a tough life because living on the bottom of the ocean, everything likes to eat shrimp. <laughs> so um, you kind of have a, you know, a little bit of a tough go. Including people. So this, yeah, this goby is a seeing eye fish for the shrimp and they live together and the shrimp basically is the housekeeper. It digs the burrow and it keeps things maintained. And the goby actually is the, the seeing eye fish. It keeps the two of them safe together. But it also um, kind of indicates when, when it's safe for the shrimp to come out and sort of forage around for food. So they help each other in getting food and they help each other stay safe. And then at night, when it's time to go to bed, they crawl into the same burrow or swim into the same burrow together, and the shrimp will pull little tiny rocks over the top of them so that they stay safe at night. Um, and to us, that, re that resembles devotion, where we serve each other for the common good. Um, so when you watch them in that behavior, you can't help but admire that here these completely different animals are getting along and helping each other. So that's that, that is really interesting. I mean, just to think about them being like codependent on each other or, or yeah. you know, dependent on. That's really cool. I think that's. Yeah. A, Science would call that mutualism, uh, which is a form of symbiosis. But we like to call it devotion because we think um, that there's a deeper lesson for us when we observe that. So. Well, have you ever had like, especially when you're talking about sharks and um you know, have you ever had a scary moment where you were, you know, really concerned or geek? You know, I'm sure that your viewing audience wants to hear the, the really scary story, <laughs> but um, that's that makes good, uh, you know, good TV, uh, good radio. But the, the fact is, there aren't very many times when we've really been afraid. Um, I've never actually had a serious injury underwater. And the only times that I've had a negative encounter with a marine animal is when I did a stupid human thing. Um, when I poked or prodded or um, in other, some other way provoked an animal to be defensive towards me. Um, so those were on me. Those were my fault. But... Um, I think the biggest thing for us is um, dealing with issues of weather, like I mentioned before, that you know the weather can get 
a little challenging sometimes, particularly if we're in a strong current uh, and you have to go with the flow uh, when you're in a strong current. You don't always get what you want. But in terms of being afraid, more than anything, I've been exhilarated. Um, that's, I think, a better way to put it, is the exhilaration. And there are times when I've gotten myself a little bit in over my head, literally, but um, common sense usually um, is the way we work those things out. So um, we learn from it. Well, it is uh, super interesting. Um, do you feel like when the marine life, uh, the marine uh, they're not mammals, but they're animals, I guess this saying, yeah. right? I, I'm showing my lack of science yeah, <laughs> knowledge. <that. laughs> so what do you feel like uh, they, like say a fish, um, mm -hmm. any of the various fish that, that you film and you, you see underwater, do you feel that they're like, um, a, like a cat or a dog in that sense, like a mammal, like that they feel um, pain or have almost like, like, you know, I mean, I think most right. people who have animals, like a cat or a dog, feel like they feel like their cat uh, or dog, you know, loves them and feels love and comes up and my cat purrs all over me and yeah. comes to see me and when I'm, you know, right. whatever. All those kinds of things. Is that, do you feel that fish and um, all those other very small shrimp, do you feel it's the same type of thing with them? You know, I, I don't know what so many of the marine animals think or feel, but what we have experienced, um, we believe we've experienced a range of emotions. Um, and I'll give you a couple examples. Um, there's this fish called a pudding wife that used to be on a reef that I swam every day. And this was a number of years ago when we actually used to feed the marine animals. Um, we know better now that that's not a particularly wise idea because it alters not only their behavior, but their diet and the ecosystem. So we tend not to feed uh, unless it's under a really controlled circumstance any longer. But anyway, back in the day, I would bring this fish little bits of bread, um, day old bread. And I started doing this when it was a juvenile and over the years, I was diving the same reef on a daily basis for work, uh, taking people out on tours. And uh, it would always come right up to me and wait to be fed. And then I stopped feeding and years went by, but that fish would swim off its home in the reef and greet me even when I didn't have food in my hand. And this went on for many, many years and the fish grew to be a really big fish. And for me, it was really personally rewarding to see it go from a juvenile to an adult. And we continued this relationship and didn't want to be petted. It didn't want to be scratched or anything, but it just came out to greet me and um, look at me. I mean, that's all I can say is we, we had a, 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 a relationship. We had a relationship. <laughs> and then uh, another animal uh, on a similar reef, one that I, I frequented uh, quite often, was an octopus, um, which is one of the f most fascinating creatures in the ocean. And they, they're very short-lived. They don't live a long time. Their, their whole lifespan is over in about a year. But in the short time that I knew this particular animal, I would go to its den, and it was in a little kind of a crevice in the reef, and it would pull shells and bits of coral over it uh, to make this little den. Well, I found out where it lived. So I started bringing it shiny things. 
like bottle caps and little little pieces of glass that I would have found underwater. And I would kind of hold it out and see if I could get its attention. And the octopus started reaching out to grab these things from me. And you had to be patient, you had to wait for it to really get curious. But um, over a period of several dives, I started this relationship where I was bringing it little gifts. <laughs> and um, I had bought some Happy Meals at McDonald's for some local kids, so, and I had some toys left over. So on a couple of these dives, I brought down the Happy Meal figurines and Happy Meal toys, which granted, it's plastic and that's debris, and I probably wouldn't do that anymore. But back then, I was able to give this octopus these little toys, and it thought that was so cool. And it was it appeared to be fascinated. It appeared to be enjoying what was happening. <laughs> and it actually kept the toys and sort of decorated its den with um, these little action figures. So for me, that was just hilarious. And I enjoyed it very well. Um, so um, that is yeah, so my friend, the octopus. That's so crazy. I mean, that's a book right there. Your your friend, <laughs> the, the octopus. Fun. We actually have footage of this. <laughs> I was I was sitting kind of perched on the bottom filming some seahorses, and they were they were really difficult to film. I was trying to get them in a sequence that, that was a mated pair, and I, I had to be really still and be very patient. And while I'm working with these seahorses, I feel a tickle in my fins and I was like something's bothering my toes well a little tiny fish called a blenny which is about well, this big had started to nest in between my toes and Guy came along and got <laughs> some shots of it so it's going to be in one of our films that we're debuting later this year but they actually started a mating sequence and this particular fish was wedging itself down in my fin, in between my toes, um, and was preparing to to, mess, to to nest and mate there. And um, I had to sort of shoo it away because that wouldn't have been a great place for them to lay eggs. But <laughs> but we we were there long enough that we became part of their environment. They accepted us and thought that I looked like as good a place as any to um, build a home. So um, that was pretty fantastic. It sounds really fascinating because it sounds like you really uh, get an opportunity to almost have, like you said, you know, like relationships with uh, particular, uh, you know, animals in the sea. That's so yeah. incredible. I can't even imagine. And, well, and on a lot of reefs, uh, particularly where divers commonly visit, like there's there are sites, for instance, in the Cayman Islands where we were just filming recently, where it's not the same diver every day. But it's a group of divers every week that are on that reef on a regular basis. So the sea turtles there are very accustomed to seeing divers, and they don't shy away from them. Um, so the sea turtle might come right up to you or be swimming alongside you. And the same thing with the Nassau grouper there. They just will come right up to divers, and they are interested in having, it looks like they're interested in having their photos taken because they can see themselves reflected in the dome <laughs> lens of your camera. So they'll sort of like go, you know, <laughs> like, hey, and it looks like, wow, this animal really wants to take a selfie with me. But I think they like looking at their reflection. So they think divers are kind of cool. And some of them actually will swim over a diver's head to be in their bubbles, because I think Maybe the exhaled bubbles uh, give them a little bit of a 
an itchy scratchy uh, solution since they don't have opposable thumbs and fingers that you know if they get an itch they have to go rub on something and I think when they swim through our exhaled breath it might feel good for them so it's a little bit of a benefit for them so every now and then you'll find a fish just sort of over your head uh, like you have a little fish halo uh, of a fish that's there swimming along in your exhaled bubbles so you just never know there's always something going on underwater well, it's, you know, it's making me think about, you know, when you're, we're talking about the, the bread, giving the little bits of bread to the fish mm-hmm. and that the fish kept coming. And then even as the fish was getting bigger and bigger and you kept coming down there. And then even when you didn't have any bread that the fish w- had a relationship with you makes me think about that. Um, the two British guys, remember the, the they, back in the seventies and there was a documentary or a movie or something about it. And, um, they, they adopted this lion and Herod's, well not adopted. Yes. They bought a, uh, a lion at Herod's yes. department store. It's like right. the seven, why they would have a lion in the department store for sale. Right. I have no idea, but, but that whole crazy story where they eventually, he got so big that they let the, the lion go in the wild. And, and then when they went to see him again, the lion, they weren't sure, you know, if the, if the yeah. lion would recognize him. And sure enough, he was overjoyed. It was, it's such yeah. a moving. I know there's even a clip of that that I've seen online, like on Facebook or something. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's quite moving. Yeah. And it's like, it kind of reminds me of that. Like you can really develop, uh, I never thought about that before. I never knew you could develop uh, a relationship almost really with a fish or some of these an octopus. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Interesting. Well, obviously our lifestyle lends the opportunity. Um, but I, I've watched other people when we've been on what we would call a live aboard dive boat where people go on board a boat for a week of scuba diving and they get three or four or five dives a day, which is their vacation. Um, they will have similar experiences where they just go down and immerse themselves and get really quiet, really still and they wait to see what comes toward them. Um, so it, we're not the only ones who get the benefit of that. I think most people who are active scuba divers, even if they only dive for one week out of the year on vacation, can tell you similar stories, can say, wow, there was this time where the sea turtle just swam right up to me and looked at me. And when you see wildlife studying you, there's a special benefit in that. There's a sense of awe and wonder. And that relates back to the book. We know that people, not everybody, like you haven't done it yet. Uh, <laughs> I'm not scuba diving yet, and we're going to fix that. But not everybody gets it. Not everybody has the opportunity or has taken the opportunity yet. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to publish this book and the film series is we ask people to protect the environment. You get all these messages, save the planet, cut down on plastic usage, don't use straws because they end up in the ocean. But we're asking people to save a thing that when it comes to the ocean, they may not even know what it is they're saving. They may not understand it. And why wouldn't we just dump our trash in the ocean? Because it goes away. It sinks to the deep, deep bottom where nothing lives. Only people like us know what it looks like when we encounter an ocean full of trash. Mm. And we've seen animals that are entangled in fishing line or in six pack rings or that have straws impacting their environment. So part of our reason for writing the book, Ocean Metaphor, 
is we want to give people an intimate understanding of what's down there and how it's so cool. I mean, when you see these animals doing all these fantastic things, even if you don't understand the marine biology of it, you can understand the coolness of it. And what we're inviting people to do is draw a line, draw a connection, make the metaphor. If you see something that looks like devotion, let's call it that. It might just be mutualism. It might just be the animals have got to do this to, to be able to survive. But it could also be a little bit deeper than that. And our call to action is to bring the ocean to people in a book and in some films and in ways that we can illustrate how cool this is and then encourage them to love it and then encourage them to protect it. But first experience it for yourself. Um, you know, read the book, watch the film, get in the water, go find a dive store near you. There's close to 2000 retail dive stores in North America, people that are trained to put you in the water and hold your hand and, you know, help you fit the gear and make that shift. And when you think about it, 75% of this planet is water, it's ocean. And we feel absolutely blessed to be able to be people that are in it and in it for a living, not just because we love it, but this is also how we make our living. And we just want everybody to have a chance to relate to it. Um, and, and that might sound a little preachy, but it's true. I just want you to know how awesome it is. Even to see something like a snail, a live shell, like you find shells on the beach that are empty and dead. Well, I've had those same shells crawl across my hand. I've, I've watched mm -hmm. the animal crawl across me. And then when I see the shell on the beach, it makes me glad that I knew that animal when it was alive. You know, when, when I just see a shell washed up on a beach, that's a shell. But when you experience the shell when it's alive and you see it as the tiniest little eyeballs in the world, <laughs> you're like, wow, how, how cool is that? It just gives you, pardon the pun, a deeper appreciation. So. Well, I, I think it's fascinating. And I was looking at your book last night and the, the colors of some yeah. of the, the animals uh, in the sea were absolutely stunning. They're incredible oh, photography. I just really want to thank you, um, and I, I want to ask you in a second of how people can can uh, you know reach out to you or or um, sure. access you. But I do want to thank you for really kind of kind of uh, revealing kind of a little bit of that mystery of the sea and and really giving some education uh, to myself and and to my listeners. You know, really why it's important to protect the sea, why it's important to, you know, worry about where our trash goes and recycling and making sure that we do things right. as, as properly as possible so that we do protect our, our oceans and don't have, um, you know, I mean, we, we want to make sure that it's there for um, our, our descendants. So um, anyway, how can people, that, it's just great. I really, you really kind of painted a picture. Oh, thank you. I think well, so. Well, it's been a pleasure. Um, well, we are c2g2productions.com. Uh, so you can look us up on our website, c2g2productions. Um, a lot of our films are there. Uh, we also have a Vimeo channel. So if you look up c2g2productions on Vimeo, you'll find us there. Um, the book of Ocean Metaphor, Unexpected Life Lessons from the Sea, is available on Amazon. 
And um, we're going to actually be in your area on the East Coast uh, the weekend of February 22nd. We'll be appearing at the DC Dive Show where we'll be giving a couple seminars. Uh, it's open to the public and you, anybody can come. You don't have to be a diver. Um, there are exhibits, there's interactive displays, there's presentations like the ones that we'll be giving, and there's also a film festival. We'll be screening a couple of our films at that particular event. Um, and then your retail dive store, um, wherever you can find, this is a, another publication that I work on, it's called Dive Training Magazine. Uh, dive Training Magazine is distributed in North America, and they're at practically every retail dive center. Uh, it's a great place to walk in and say, hey, I, I've heard about this snorkeling thing, I've heard about this scuba diving thing. Uh, a lot of these places do free demos where you can actually put on all the gear and breathe underwater. And even if you only see what it feels like to breathe underwater and you don't get in the ocean yet, do it because it is the coolest. Being weightless <laughs> and breathing underwater is like a miracle. It's one of the coolest things you'll ever experience. Um, so give that a try. And if you're interested in having uh, a copy of Ocean Metaphor for yourself, we are available on Amazon.com. So just search Ocean Metaphor on Amazon and you'll find it. Yeah, people should definitely check it out. And it, it makes a great coffee uh, table book because of all the amazing photos. Every every page, you've got oh, all these you. amazing photos, and it and it would make a great gift too. So I think um, it's just it's just really a beautiful uh, beautiful thing that you've done. So you and Guy both. Thank, so thank you. you. Thank you for uh, for coming on and and kind of really sharing a lot of great information. All right. Thanks for having me. All right, well, this wraps up this episode of the Pitbull Patty Show. Until next time.